0: Hi, I'm Ann Welcome to episode 32 of Essential Conversations. You're about to hear my conversation with Blue Note recording artist, singer and composer Gregory Porter. That was recorded when we were well into the pandemic. But before you hear the interview with Gregory Porter, I wanted to share with you a very small piece of an interview I did with Blue Note Records president Don Was. He talks about Gregory Porter and how this incredible artist played a role in Don's career path. Here's Don Was.
1: A little club up near Harlem called Smoke. It's a great jazz club. And I went up there, and it was one of the best shows I'd ever seen. I sat around for three sets drinking coffee and eating ribs, had a beautiful time. And the next morning, I was having breakfast with an old buddy of mine named Dan McCarroll, who I knew in the 90s. He was a drummer. There's a long story. Played with Cheryl Crow <laughs> and Lloyd Cole. And in the ensuing years, he'd risen through the ranks, and he was now the president of Capitol Records. So we weren't even talking about music, but at the end of the meal, I asked if Blue Note Records was still part of Capitol Records, because if it was, he should sign the singer I saw the previous night, Gregory Porter. Ah. It turns out that Bruce Lundval, one of the most revered executives in the history of the music business, who'd been the CEO of Blue Note for like 30 years, he was ill and he had to retire, and they were trying to figure out what to do, and I walked in with an idea on the right day, and Dan offered me the gig as president of Blue Note Records on the spot over breakfast that day. Wow. So That uh, is a
0: great story. <laughs> it
1: was pretty wild. I, I didn't want it, man. I, I didn't want a job. I spent my whole life trying to avoid jobs, right? <laughs> and I just wanted to play bass and make records, which I didn't consider work, but Blue Note was irresistible. Meanwhile... I took the gig first day on the job. I called Gregory Porter's manager. First day? First day. First thing I did. And uh, he's been on Blue Note for the better part of the last decade. Won a bunch of Grammys.
0: That's Blue Note Records president Don Was. Just before Gregory and I spoke, I shared my condolences with him because he had lost his brother to COVID. It was his brother who recognized his talent and encouraged him to pursue a career in music. Shortly into the interview, he discusses his brother and how his passing changed Gregory's life. This has been uncharted territory for all of us. And I wondered what you learned about yourself during this past year.
2: In in a way, there's a a leadership that can come about in a personal way. What are you going to do in a personal way that is upholding the people around you, that's keeping the family together? You know, somebody has to stay grounded and stay focused so everything doesn't blow away. So, I I mean, I mean that in, in, in every sense of the word. I mean, politically as well. Somebody has to say wait a minute. This is the base of how low we will go or somebody has to be the person in the family to cancel Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think I am have been that because I want to keep the whole of my tribe, my band, my my you know, and we all have to do that for each other. I'm probably becoming a, a one of the pillars of my family. The things that I still admire so much about my mother and uh, admire so much about my grandmother, I, I guess in this crisis, I, I'm becoming that person that maybe people come to for just to say the prayer, to lead the prayer. I didn't know that I was that person, but sometimes crisis will put you into that place.
0: You know, from a person from the outside looking in, and obviously I don't know your family and I don't know you, but your presence in how you make music and how you handle yourself um, and how you navigate the world publicly would lead me to think that you would be the obvious choice um right away um and to hear you be almost kind of intrigued or surprised that you ended up being that person i think is kind of interesting really
2: this is the thing the person who was that who i would i would defer to uh, i was uh, i was his i was his wingman in terms of uh, the family it was my brother and uh, he's just you know he's a year and three months older than me but you know we did things in tandem in a way and uh, yeah I, I just um, you know in a way filling his shoes.
0: This is your brother who had the restaurant you worked together right?
2: Yes mm-hmm. we worked together uh, in the restaurant and in music as well.
0: What was it like um, working so closely with him in both of those arenas.
2: I'm not going to lie and say that it was, you know, completely easy and, and, <laughs> and, and, and wonderful. Um, he was the boss. And absolutely, he was the, he was the boss. I, I remember one time <laughs> I was making my famous uh, black bean uh, turkey chili. And um, I, I left the, the turkey out. And it, it, uh, I made it at night and put the rest of the thing, the things in the refrigerator, but I left the turkey out <laughs> and it, you know, you, you know, in the food business, you can't leave food out and then serve it to people. So we had to throw away, you know, a hundred dollars worth of turkey in the, in the trash. You would have thought that I had left his child out in the cold. <laughs> 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 he fired me like three, three times that day. Even though I wasn't working for cash money, he fired me three times. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but the funny thing is, is the bumps in the road working with him become sweet moments as well in in remembering him. And so so after I got my first Grammy, uh, you know, basically the joke was, well, I'm so glad you fired me three times, you know. working together with him in music was this was just the sweetest thing because he was trying to get me there. He used to say, you know, uh, really all my life before anybody was looking at me, he's like, you're like, Greg, you, you're one of the best singers that I, you know, out there. And I'll be, i would be like, Lloyd, cut it out. You know, that's, that's nice, but cut it out. And, um, so when I got some energy and some attention, he was like, OK, boom, let's go. He was the one that gathered the photographer, the choreographers, whatever I needed to make a music video. He was the one, you know, he's like, OK, uh, your manager's not setting up a Facebook page. Let's get the Facebook page together. Let's you need a lawyer. He was the one doing all of these things for me. And um, he was just like, OK, now is your time. I'm going to help you be. Gregory Porter, yeah.
0: If he hadn't been there in that way for you, do you think you would be where you are today?
2: No, no, I wouldn't, because it's a lyric that I have in my song from All Rise. It's called Thank You. His spirit and energy is in that song. So I say in the lyric, rough cut stone, I couldn't polish myself. It had to be done by someone else. I'm talking about my brother. Sometimes a person that has extraordinary talent may have the deficit of shyness or humility to a fault. And I may have that. So my brother was the one that would, you know, get on the microphone and tell everybody to shut up because his brother was going to sing. <laughs> 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 and so I needed him my whole life uh, in that. And I'm here now and I'm, I'm aware of my, my gifts. And it was a rough cut stone. And I couldn't polish myself. It had to be done by someone else. Him and God and the fans. and But him, centrally. We, I mean, we went through everything in life. You know, we were two little black boys trying to figure out how to maneuver our way. I grew up in Central California and Bakersfield, California, which which had some difficulty with racism in my youth. And throughout the 80s, we suffered a lot of strangeness, a lot of slings and arrows that came at our little, at our way, two little black kids, eight, nine, 10 years old. And we looked out for each other. And that was, that was important. And some of that energy of our protecting and looking out for each other finds its way into my music. This idea of mutual respect comes from that time, the desire for that equality that comes from that time of of me and him looking out for each other. My mother would always say we go out the house. He said, look out for each other and, and, and pay attention to what's going on. But for some reason, we were always catching some some threat. Strange time, but it it informs who I am right now. And I went through that with him.
0: So Gregory, now you are a father and you have a child. Your father, and you've been very open about the fact that he was not in your life. And now you have a son and you are a father. So talk about how this part of your life has changed now that you have this um, this young soul to care for and nurture through the world
2: I, I think at the, at the moment he was born even when he was coming when my wife was pregnant I was um I was very conscious of the relationship that I had and the lack of the relationship that I had with my father but it became more profound when <laughs> when my son came I felt like <laughs> I had to be I had, I, I, all of a sudden, I had this uh, r- responsibility, but even responsibility about what I say and legacy and what did I leave? What are the words that I left? You know, all of that stuff. So without question, it affected my my music. Um, I was writing songs for him, about him, messages to him, and I'm still doing it. On the new record is a song called Dad Gone Thing. I'm still considering that relationship and the lack of it that I had with my father. Uh, I learned so much about my father at his funeral. He was a great singer. He was a cook in the army. The fact that I learned so much about him at the, at his memorial in a way was beautiful and sad because I didn't experience it in life. And so I think now I'm, I'm, I'm just in his face all the time. He knows who I am, you know? <laughs> You know, I, I give him wisdom about anything, anything. Oh, 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 that's a, uh, uh, that long leg spider son, that's called a daddy long leg, you know. He doesn't really bite, but he's scary, you know. <laughs> you know, I like the role of, of, of being a father, you know.
0: Have you noticed that he might have uh, your genetics when it comes to music and singing? Has there any indication that there's something there?
2: Yes. This is a funny thing is, is, you know, we try to influence the, the taste of the music that our children like. But he ends up singing the songs that are in whatever video game that he's working on. So he'll be singing Little Nas X, but. <laughs> 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 but he's singing it in, in, in kind of a cool way, so I, I don't I don't get upset that he's not you know that he's not uh, you know scatting a John Coltrane <laughs> line uh, or, or or singing my songs. The funny thing is is he'll he'll he won't sing the lyrics of my songs, even though he knows them. He'll sing just the the notes. He'll sing just the melody, and I like that. That's like it somehow more. More profound for me. And he'll just be doing it randomly, like doing his homework or something like that. I like that. I like that. Um, Yes, he does have some musical gifts. We'll cultivate them. And if he wants to use them in a professional way, great. But uh, no pressure. uh, No pressure in in terms of that, for sure. It
0: would be pretty interesting to hear um, how he ends up developing. And if he wants to, it almost seems like it would be hard for him not to, um, you being his father. Is he aware of what you do for a living? Does, is he aware that a lot of people know who you are and love your music?
2: We were on tour in Europe. i get ready for the stage. The band goes out, they play a little bit of the intro of a song and and he starts to come out onto the stage with me. And I said, son, it's time for me to go to work. And he's like, I'm a singer too. And so he was like, you know, four, and, uh, and I said, I know you are, but right now I have to go out. And, uh, and so I ended up for that show, I ended up uh, bringing him out, uh, just at the beginning of the encore. And he was like, okay, that's enough. I, you know, the the audience (laughs) screamed for him and then he was like, that's enough. I don't want anymore. And he ran, he ran backstage, but, um, yeah, he, he, but he likes it. He likes, uh, you know, he's always comparing me. He tells me, you know, who's more popular than me. So, <laughs> but I, I like that. I like it all. Yeah, I like it.
0: <laughs> well, well, if anybody's going to keep your ego in check, I suppose it's going to yep. be him. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> That is for sure. You know, we talked about your son singing, but we didn't talk about you singing when you were a child. Um. When did you, was there a moment that you knew that you could really sing? Or was it such a part of you the entire time that there's no moment that sticks out to you?
2: Uh, well, you know, there's, a other, there's another thing that family does. They help to build you and cultivate you, but they also very much keep you grounded. I, I, I was going to say my brothers and sisters, there's a lot of us, eight of us. And there's always this thing in my family, you know, who do you think you are? You you know better than the rest of us, right? This is this is this is a thing in in big families, and um, so, so I would sing to the radio, and uh, when we were in the car, and I, you know. Maybe I had to, to sing the loudest, and they'd be like, "Be quiet! We don't want to hear you. We want to hear Stevie Wonder. We want to hear Michael Jackson. Who do you think you are?" <laughs> 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 and um, you know, so there was that going on. Over time, they became proud of me. Uh, I think I had my first solo in church. I was around six years old, but I think probably is around that twelve or thirteen year old age when the voice changes. Th- then it kind of is like, oh yeah, that's a voice now. So there uh, that happened for me. He's the family singer, you know. <laughs> 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 but there was some consequence uh, to that because my mother was a minister, and she would go you know, during the weekdays to different churches to to preach Wednesday night service or Thursday's service. And so then she stopped taking all the kids as we were her choir that sang when she preached. She's just started to take me. And so I would go a bunch of places with my mom. She would preach and I would sing. And uh, so (laughs) they were like, okay, he's a a family representative. Uh, WDET celebrates 75 years of public radio with gratitude to our dedicated listeners. Listeners like you cherish community voices, local music, and independent journalism. This spring fundraiser, we're counting on your support, just as you count on us. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap Donate in the mobile app.
0: Here's part two and the conclusion of my conversation with Gregory Porter. You could have become a a professional athlete. It sounds like you were potentially on your road to doing that. You already knew you could sing at the time. When did it occur to you that being a singer could be your livelihood and how you ended up living out your life as a singer and a performer and a writer and a composer?
2: My identity at the time in college is I was an athlete and Once I injured myself, I was no longer an athlete. And what is my identity? And I went back to my my original love, which was music. And it all happened organically. I didn't know any professional artist. I didn't know anybody even that was supporting themselves with music. And so it was a very really slow thing. But my mother sanctioned it. It Sounds like a movie scene, but literally from her, her deathbed. She said, Gregory, don't forget about your music. And uh, it's the best thing that you do, son. And we were having a talk about everything. She was talking about real estate and what to do when you have your first child, all of these end of life, beginning of life conversations. She knew that she didn't have long to live. And she said, don't forget your music. And that gave me uh, a license to pursue it. It gave me a license to live in poverty for 20 years. (laughs) You know, uh, mom said I could do it. And I was trying to Reassure her that I was gonna just get this degree and and be a regular dude. She didn't have nothing to worry about. She was like, "Be risky, be crazy, go for this music career." And um, so that gave me license to do it. And that, and I pursued it after, after that conversation all the way around. I mean, she has some hand in in even my lyrics between Liquid Spirit and and Take Me to the Alley, uh, Revival. Uh, you know she 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 made me she shaped and molded me and, and gave me my moral fiber and the idea of irrepressible love is from her i mean i watched her pick people up who seemed to be beyond redemption and say let's let's go to work and she'd work on them clothes and their hair and their, their thinking and the things that they read and she 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 tried to help people be better
0: that must have had a profound effect on you
2: it it did because um because sometimes it, it, it would fail, but and you think you think that she would be discouraged, but she was like, I, I remember she was helping somebody, and they even lived in her house for, for, for two weeks, and she was feeding this person, clothing this person, and helping them. And they they got on their feet and they professed their, you know, that, that yeah, I'm clean. And then they stole her purse, and stole the purse full of you know bill money and and you know important money. And she wasn't discouraged. She was like, okay, let's uh let's move on from here and let's help the next person. And I was like, Wow, mom, you have eight kids. Somebody has stolen your purse with bill money. You think he, she would recoil. But she was like, Let's keep right on doing what we do. And uh yeah, that's who she was. So yes, it was a profound thing to see that.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about the song Real Truth. Yeah. And the thing about it was what you said about the process that really captured. I mean It's a great song, but um, you said that you had had a number of versions of this song as a direct response to the president, but here's what really got my attention. You scrapped it because it wasn't your process. And I wanted to know what you meant by that.
2: I was responding in uh, anger and disgust almost directly, <laughs> word for word, The idea that there are several truths to an incident, that's not true. Even the idea of saying that there are alternative facts is not factual. And so I was doing exactly what he wants, is to be inside your head and making you think negatively so i was like let me take this to that prayer space think of it introspectively so yes i think i, I, I the idea of having a a real truth that we can all uh, agree on was something that i was trying to think of with this song what i had done with the pro the beginning of the record was i kept writing songs that were in response to something that he did and i'm like that's not that's not my process my process is to 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 think about things that move me internally and, and not just these knee-jerk responses to a provocateur. In a
0: way. Are you the type of writer that saves ideas all the time and records little pieces into your iPhone or writes certain things down and saves them for the time when you want to write? Or are you the kind of writer that it's time to write an album I have ideas and it's time. Let's go do this.
2: I'm a snippet writer and I, I save bits of conversation and a few lines. But I tell you what happens is once I'm moved by an initial like statement or a line, the song is already being written. I'm writing the song subconsciously. And so I could be at a stoplight. And then the second line, third line, the second verse, the beginning of the second verse will come. And so I'll say into my phone, the beginning of the second verse or the bridge for whatever idea that I have. And and so in my phone, they may these, these two messages or two voice notes or whatever, they may be separated by a hundred notes and by several months. But subconsciously, I'm still working on something in my head. If it moves me, if it's a melody that moves me, I don't have to re-record it; I, I, it'll 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 lock itself in, you know, the first time. So, I, so I am that snippet writer, but there is something about a deadline that can cause the mental juices to really flow and really get keen and sharp. You know, when it's time to go into the studio, it all comes out in refined detail.
0: When you are snippet writing, are these melodies, words, and melodies, or are these just words? I guess what I'm saying is when you start to think of songs, are they already in a song form?
2: Words, words and melody come to me together, which is, uh, which is why I think, uh, you know, I, I like the, the mystery and in a way, the divinity of it. I, I like that. I like that the word and the melody will come to me together. And that original idea finds its way onto the record. It, it does vex me. I'm like, dang, how did that rhyme come out of, you understand what I'm saying? Where I've, I've, I'll sit down and, and and then the pen will just flow somewhere that's been working itself out in my mind. This is a talent that I'm happy with and I'm okay with saying uh, that that comes from a place where I don't exactly know where it comes from. I'm, I'm not saying that I haven't studied poetry and I haven't uh, uh, you know worked at my craft. I'm, I am saying I do like the idea that there's some magic and some mystery and some divinity to it. I like that.
0: I uh, did some research when John Prine passed, who has written hundreds and hundreds of songs. He, in this was in the latter part of his life, he said, every time I get done writing a song, I think that there won't be another one. And I was stunned by that because he's such a prolific writer. He was such a prolific writer. Do you ever have that feeling, or do you just have the confidence or the comfort in how you've always worked that they will come when it, the time is right?
2: I, I used to think that. I used to think uh, that it's, it's not going to come again, because what happened was, just before going into the studio for Liquid Spirit, my luggage was lost, and because I was scattered about that, I then lost my phone. So I both lost my notes and my phone. So all of the songs that were supposed to be Liquid Spirit were then changed right before the session. So I wrote all new songs. Liquid Spirit won a Grammy and was my biggest record. Right before Take Me to the Alley, the same thing happened. And (laughs) (laughs) right before uh, All Rise, it happened again. I lost uh, a lot of material. But I realized this scripture is biblical. My mother used to say it, from your belly shall flow rivers of running water, of life. So I realized many times it's not the verbiage, it's the message, 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 message. So if the message is strong, another song will come. Um, And I tend to write about things that I care about that move me, And there's probably more than one song about a particular thing that I want to get out. And so, yes, I can find another way to get out that message.
0: For a person that's not a songwriter, that sounds like a very unsettling way to go in and go do an album. But it
2: seems to be working for you. (laughs) I was frightened. Are you kidding me? No, I was like, no, literally. (laughs) (laughs) I went into the studio. I was like, well, I got three songs. And then... (laughs) My wife was like, um, what are you doing? Yeah, you have to get up and go to the studio. And he's it's like, I'm like, I'm writing the songs for tomorrow. <laughs> 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 she was like, no way. And I was like, yes, way. <laughs> you know.
0: A lot of times we... When we're called to do something that we would never have expected to do, that we never would think of doing, we surprise ourselves. Do you surprise yourself still?
2: I do. um, In live performance, you know, sometimes it can happen. There there was one time I was performing for Quincy Jones. I was so in the moment of where I was, being at this table of royalty, that I kind of wasn't in my body or paying attention to what I did. So later when I saw the performance, I was like, wow, I was surprised at how beautiful it was because literally I felt like I wasn't qualified to be there, you know, in this room of, of Herbie Hancock and Quincy and Stevie wonder. And I was like, what, what I don't even belong here. But I looked at my, my performance afterwards. and I was like, wow, That I, I am worthy. And I surprised myself. And, uh, That can happen on on records and in the writing process as well. A song that I'm proud of because it speaks to my my politics and and who I am as a person and how my mother raised me is a a song called When Love Was King. It's one of the original songs on Nat King Cole and me and also one of the songs on Liquid Spirit. A moment in which I was proud in a way that maybe I, have yeah, surprised myself with. Cleverness, or whatever I don't know. I feel very good about it. The process. I felt like um, it came about at the right time. The only thing that that could irk me about it is that it's under misunderstood in some way. Trying to you know lean on the legacy of of Nat King Cole. Not at all. It's also the music of Nat King Cole is also part of my story. People were like, "Oh, well, you got away from your original." writing and telling your story. I'm like, no, I'm telling my story with Nat King Cole's music uh, and how important he was in my household and in in my life and in my development as an artist. So it still was very much a personal record. So doing it with the orchestra, with Vince Mendoza, was just an amazing experience because in in a way, Nat, Nat King Cole wasn't my father, no relation, but he is part of my household. Uh, he was my my mother's. It was my mother's music, a connection to her. It was a fatherly advice that I needed in the absence of my father. And so, singing those words, singing those lyrics, uh, it was just a just a special special moment for me. So when I look at the that record, it has the same DNA as my other records for me because it's part of my my life story as well.
0: Gregory, when it came time. To do the arrangements for this album, this is a huge undertaking, to perform with a with a full orchestra. Did you have in your mind how you wanted some of these arrangements to sound, or did you leave it up to Vince Mendoza to do that part of it?
2: We, we had several conversations, but there's no way of knowing exactly what's going to happen until you're in the space with the with the orchestra. I mean, the computerized way that you'll hear the arrangements beforehand are never the same. So there was so much excitement in the studio in, in London in, in several ways. The way the orchestra was sounding, the grand sound and style of, of the recording, giving homage to Nat King Cole, being of the school of Nat King Cole and all of the arrangers who worked with Nat King Cole, being of that school, but not mimicking in a way. When I think of Nat King Cole's just gentle style, yet with the ability to soar, that's something that uh, both myself and Vince uh, spoke about uh, before uh, before we recorded the music.
0: What are the next steps for you coming out of um, not being on the road, not recording, Um, certainly spending a lot more time with your family than you would have been able to. I actually interviewed a musician recently who said that the pandemic gave her permission to spend time with her kids that she had longed for for years when she was on the road. It was very interesting. Um, I'm sure you have dealt with uh, something similar, and and spending this day in and day out, and probably being your son's teacher and his playmate.
2: You know, people are like, why are you working so hard? It's like I'm trying to make it so I can it won't hurt me, both career wise and even financially to 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 even take a year off or a year and a half off to have this type of time with with my family and with my son. I, I'm curious as to what musically will come out of this as well, because it's been such a trying time and profound time that I tend to write from these moments in my life. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure what it'll be yet. I'm, I'm actually waiting because I don't want it to be just about grief because I'm definitely feeling that now, but I don't want it to be only about grief because there's a lot of, Revival, there's a lot of resurrection, there's a lot of renewal that's happening as well.